It's a sunny day here in quarantine. In Quarant City. Yep. We are right here, smack dab in the epicenter of the epidemic, New York <laughs> City. I'm Nicole Lee Hood. I'm Topher Pridgen. And welcome. This is Horror Babes. We are babes who just happen to love horror, and we're bringing it right to you. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So, hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Piowacket? I do. It was stressful. It was exactly what we wanted, guys. It was, um, we wanted this, like, we wanted something to, like, really scare us and keep us on our toes, and been this was it. For it. Yeah. yeah, this was it. We've been watching kind of more um, cerebral horror, I would say. That's right. And this was, like, classically just, like, kept me on the edge of the couch. My pants were a little pooey after it. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We're going to dive right into this movie. Tover's going to do some name drops of who worked on this thing. And then we're going to go through the plot. And then on the back end, we're going to do some analysis, give you give you our thoughts and kind of break down the movie a little bit. So mm-hmm. take us away. All right. Well, first off, this is the second feature film from writer-director Adam McDonald. Uh, the previous one being Backcountry, which is more of like a animal lost in the woods carnage type Mm -hmm. movie but yeah this originally was screened in the contemporary world cinema section at the 2017 toronto international film festival or tiff if you're an industry nerd Mm. two main stars here laurie holden who you would know from uh, her runs on walking dead and the x-files as well as playing the cop sybil Bennett, I think is the last name, mm-hmm. in the Silent Hill film. Yeah. Adaptation. Thing. This this cast is pretty small. We don't yeah. we don't really have too many people. So she plays the mom, and then we have uh, Nicole Munoz as the daughter, mm-hmm. our like protagonist here. Yeah. Leah. Other than that, we had cinematography from Christian Biels or Beals. Again, don't know how to pronounce anybody's name. It's fine. Very sorry, Ralph Ineson, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> We learned our lesson. We're trying. Yeah. Yeah. And then this got a wider release uh, in December 2017 and hit Hulu in 2018, I believe. Mm-hmm. Filmed and made entirely in Canada. Really nice tight budget on this. 166. Really? Mm-hmm. That's thousand, not million. This is not right, cost right, nearly right. as much as Yeah. Million. Yeah. I was about to say, there's there's no way. It's such a small cast. Yeah. A very like raisable amount of money. Mm-hmm. For reference, this did actually cost it, for adjusted for inflation, about three times as much as Blair Witch Project. Okay. And it shows. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing here? We're doing a plot. You want to talk about the what happens in the movie? Yeah. So the movie opens with this amazing shot of um, the woods. And we're, we've got this beautiful set of just like symmetrical trees. And yeah. it's, it's really eerie from the beginning. And then you hear um, a female kind of uh, cat, like chanting or casting this sort of like mm. spooky spell and i was i i think i i literally turned to you and i was like i was like is this blair witch project <laughs> like what's going on um yeah, you asked me if it was the sequel and the I sequel said, no, no this is already so much better than the sequel <laughs> oh god the sequel but yeah so we get we get that as our opening scene and then it does you know the typical horror like cutaway we're, we're cutting yeah. to like actual quote-unquote reality and then Let's see, what happens after, where do we go after that? Do we go... So we're immediately back to... We're immediately with the mother and daughter, right? Yeah, we're at at the dinner scene with Leah and her mother. So Leah is our main character, that's Nicole Munoz. Her mother, Lori Holden, is... We don't know why she's a drunk yet, but she's a drunk, is what we get. 
Yeah, she's got like a bottle of wine and she's crying and all like that. Like hiding things in her bed. Yeah. So Leah goes to the library to go to a signing from her favorite author on the occult mm-hmm. with her friends. Yeah. Uh, they all then go and hang out and drink and smoke weed. And They're the only other characters in, in the, uh, beti- besides the um, author of yeah. the book. We've got an aptly named female friend, <laughs> Janice. I was like, of course, like... Yeah. Is this is this a straight out of Mean Girls? And then three male friends, right? Just or is the it two, two male friends. Adam, who's the one she has a crush on. That's right. And so I want to say Ryan. Yeah. Who has the like kind of mohawky thing going on? Yeah, and he's 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 the dick. Yeah. He's he's really like he's a big old dick, and he uses spells to try to get laid. Yeah. So they all go to the signing. They're hanging out, drinking, smoking weed. Leah gets back late. Her mom is hammered. Hammered, yes. Yeah, deep Wasted. in the cut. <laughs> Not half in the bag, hole in the bag. Mm-hmm. She comes back, her mom's fully in the bag, and she, they get into a bit of a fight, and Leah just goes upstairs. Mm-hmm. The next day after school, her mom's like, yeah, so sorry about everything. I know it's a little, it's been tough since your dad died, and by the way, I think it's just this fucking house. It's like a, you know, it's that, I was, I was talking about it's a, it's become a tomb, not a shrine. Yeah. After the dads died and these two women have been living alone together and her mom is just not dealing with the grief while she's like, well, we need a fresh start. I'm selling the house and I put a lease on a place up north. Yeah. So I'm going to interject here and say that this is a huge loss of power for Leah. Yeah. She already doesn't have, at that age, you don't feel like you have a lot of control over your life, but you want it. Yeah. It's it's a tough couple of years, like the last couple of years of high school. I I think I I inferred that she's like a junior because the because right. the mom says, "Do you want to finish the school year and then I transfer you to another school?" So she's got more than one semester left of school. That's right. She so I'm thinking she's a junior. And those two years are you know, they're super tough because you're trying to go to college, but you're not quite there yet. You don't have your independence and I think that this was a huge huge blow to Leah like she she didn't even ask her or talk to her about this yeah and you definitely feel it did they ever say why the dad dies I didn't get anything any explicit explicit no I think it's just I guess it doesn't matter yeah it's just dead dad yeah I I feel like there's some implication that it may have been a drunk driving accident or but you know yeah it it feels like it was sudden it did like there's nothing that suggests that this was a slow death so it feels like it was a left field sort of thing for both of them i want to say she might have said something to her friends about like a car accident or something that kind of sounds right but i'm not sure i don't i don't remember like tiny details um (laughs) (laughs) and i was drinking too much tequila to take notes it was needed for this movie (laughs) it was a tough one it's stressful as hell so they move up north leah wants her license her mother refuses to let her get her license until she can make money enough to buy her own car which is what also leads me to believe that it might have been a car accident because she's so irrational. She won't even yeah. teach her daughter how to drive. Right. She's saying she's it, it's completely controlling. Yeah, you know? it's very controlling. Yeah. Yes. So we get more of that soon. In fact, in the next scene, because Leah just wants to go and she wants to stay at her school. She wants to be with her friends. She's, you know, it's we see this a lot. This is a trope that goes on and on is a parent uproots a teenager's life for one reason or another, sometimes mm-hmm. good, sometimes bad. And... The fight always happens that I just want to be with my friends, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. My whole life is here. And they don't realize that their life can be wherever they need it to be because they're young. But like you brought up, because she's so late in high school, these are the people she's known her whole life. This is the only, like, this this is like small town Canada, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not, like, this, I imagine this is probably like a, a, a 
Montreal or Toronto suburb, right? Well, and it always happens in these stories when the character only has one year left. And it's, I mean, that's heartbreaking to not mm-hmm. go through your uh, your senior year, which is a, a very special time for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just a, yeah, it's a way like to say goodbye and it's supposed to be really fun you know what i mean because like you're especially once you get into college if that's what you choose to do if you choose to go to college and you kind of have an idea of what you're maybe doing in the fall or whatever it's such a fun time because you you can kind of just you have more free time to hang out with those friends yeah and it's that's why i think that um narratives always go this way where Mm. it's like damn they only had one more year left and it's supposed to be like the best year yeah so leah and her mom end up getting in this and just knock down drag out fight Mm -hmm. because she's like driving to driving two hours a day so like an hour back and forth from the house to the school yes so leah can't go hang out with her friends she gets pissed off at her mom and we just have that like jump skip of the fight because but you know exactly what happened because we see them getting out of the car i really liked that decision because i don't think we needed to see the fight we've all been in that fight yes yeah if you if you were a teenager and had a beating heart you've been in that fight Mm -hmm. so i I actually like that they didn't kind of like waste our time it just was like implied that a huge fight had happened in the car because I didn't I didn't really need the drama. No, you it's know? really good conservative filmmaking. It shows yeah. you how frequently those shots are not necessary. Yeah. That I don't can, lot you can litter the cutting room floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's 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 one of those things like if if something doesn't happen in the car that moves the plot forward, mm-hmm. I can infer by their faces getting out of the car what just happened exactly so just yeah. by the way that she drives in the establishing shot of her driving oh my god yeah it's like killing <laughs> that gravel but yeah i really appreciated that mm-hmm. choice so yeah post fight leah is just furious fuming i've i've been this screaming raging teenager of course she runs out into the woods around there oh of course that we didn't mention the cabin is in the middle of fucking nowhere the new house is just a cabin in the middle of some woods and no surrounding neighbors there's like a town like 15 minutes away yeah and when they get inside, this is this is the fight when Leah's mom says that horrific, terrible thing. Yeah, it tells her that she hates her face because it reminds her of her father. Yeah. Every time she sees it, she sees her dad or her late husband. Which makes sense because those two actors don't look anything alike. She must no. be the spitting image of her father. No. Well, it's funny because uh, Nicole Munoz is uh, Spanish. Yeah. And Laurie Holden is not. <laughs> quite, if you've ever seen her, quite she's expected, just like blonde like hair, not. blue eye. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they don't look a thing alike. So she definitely got her looks from her dad. Yeah, like I said, must be a spitting image. (laughs) Uh, But says, yeah, I just want to, I wish I could just wipe your face off. Yeah, it's really brutal. It's, yeah, the the cut here is tough. You can feel the emotional abuse happening. Mm -hmm. The trauma. And then what does she do? Run into the woods to perform a blood incantation. Yep. So she goes out. She takes all of her occult accoutrement <laughs> and oh blood incantation is also a band nice i just found that out it's an american death metal band from denver colorado formed in 2011 oh cute yeah they look cute long, long hair mustaches i'm into it yeah that's I've, exactly what i was picturing i've never heard never heard their music but ugly font mm, yeah you can't read it yep that's the one <laughs> i was picturing <laughs> Awesome. Maybe I'll give anyway. them a listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. So she runs out into the woods. She performs this blood incantation, this sort of uh, occult ritual, to summon the demon Piwacket to kill her mother. <laughs> Yay. During this ritual, she cuts way too deep. So Ugh. <laughs> It's rough. 
trigger warning here for, you know, suicidality and everything, but she slits her wrist to get the blood and can't get it on the first try. Oh my God. Cause it hurts. Yeah. And then she goes in way too hard the second time and just everywhere. It's just a big cringe moment. I just felt my spine just realign <laughs> while yeah. I was watching that. Yeah. She goes home, goes back, starts to go to bed. Uh, or the, sorry, she goes home and is trying to clean her wrist up. And her mother is like knocking on the door. And it's like, everything okay? She goes, yeah, 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 fine, fine, fine. But she is bleeding everywhere. Uh, she manages to get it kind of covered up. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they're having dinner together. One of the many bland ass looking dinners that this mother makes. Oh, the first one's like steamed vegetables and then just steamed vegetables steamed vegetables. And I you can just when I see steamed vegetables, I get a very particular smell in my brain. Like you whenever you walk into a house, you know what just happened there if someone steamed some cauliflower and broccoli. It's a very specific smell. The roommate I had in grad school. (laughs) Who, who would microwave would, broccoli yeah he would <laughs> microwave broccoli not to heat it up i don't want you to think that this is me being weird this is him being weird he would take it in a little to pyrex cook it. yeah you put it in a little pyrex put a little bit of water in with this raw broccoli and cook it for like 15 minutes in the microwave and then the entire apartment would stink it was awful what i'm trying to say is that i understand why leah wanted to kill her mother because that <laughs> smell alone would drive me into a murderous it's, blood rage it's pretty bad so anyway, so the, the, her wrist just opens up fully onto her dinner and oh just God. blood everywhere. The mom yeah. obviously panics, helps her mend it, tries to check in on her. She's clearly thinking like, oh, this is self-harm, mm-hmm. yada, yada. They immediately kind of have a nice moment. Leah goes to bed. They get up the next morning because the mom wants to go to a hobby shop in the town, the, like mm-hmm. some little small town downtown area to see if she can get a place to just work on weekends to kind of get herself out of the house because it sounds like she works from home and then does not want to be inside alone with her thoughts and her whines. Fair. But, you know, recovery takes many forms, and that's fine. If your job is getting a... If your your road to recovery is getting a job at a shitty little... A local Michael's. Michael's knockoff, <laughs> then go right on ahead. Yeah, Enjoy gotta distract that cheap yourself yard. somehow. Yeah. So Leah is, like, looking and seeing all these things that... Uh, remind her of what she just did mm-hmm. last night particularly the one card she's looking at the card section she sees the one card that says be careful what you wish for you never might you never know who might be listening yeah which is the tagline of this film essentially which, what a weird card hallmark like i'm thinking about like i'm here for it it just seems very random but like okay it feels like one of those like christian section cards you know what i mean where it's like supposed to be an uplifting message and it's like jesus answers all prayers or is it like um is it like a spooky birthday one like wish for something but be careful what you what you wish for yeah maybe it's that i would love more spooky birthday cards well it just it it was just black and white there was no indication there you didn't open it and it said happy (laughs) birthday or like it had like a birthday cake or anything it just said that so i was like what is this right I've never seen this in but, a whole yeah, card. I have no idea. But Leah and her mom kind of make up. Mm-hmm. Um, her mom starts clearly making an effort to not be as much of a fucking awful trauma-inducing tool. Yep. Mm-hmm. The dinners don't get better. <laughs> they don't. But she's not, you know, calling her a number of female gendered terms. I'm like, that are negative. I'm like, can we get this family some pizza? There's got to be a place that delivers. They did have pizza when they moved. 
Oh yeah, and even the pizza looked I like meant shit. To, I meant to talk about that. It's the it's the universal. Even just Canadians moved. do it. Yeah, just moved pizza. I'm sure they still put ketchup on it though. Oh God! Did you know that Canadians love ketchup? I mean, I love ketchup, but I'm not gonna put they it on my pizza. They have ketchup flavored chips in Canada. I've had those. They're delicious. Yeah, you're nasty. They're really good. So as Leah goes to sleep, oh my God, <laughs> uh, she can't sleep she go like is freaking herself out and she goes to the back door and another just sort of like very visceral moment reaches for, like stare has like a sort of staring contest with the door mm-hmm. and then sort of quickly locks it yeah and draws her hand back yeah and i've done that <laughs> i mean i was so many times i mean after watching this movie last night i was scooting my way to the bathroom i was not stopping for anything <laughs> trying to outrun the light was like, and that's a sign of a good, exactly. <laughs> a good spooky movie I was so, like, I'm turning on all the lights around yeah. me. <laughs> so while Leah's sleeping, we see a shadowy figure enter her room and mm-hmm. crawl up into the very top corner of it. Oh, and, bef- and then drop before down. this, we had heard uh, like she was hearing things in, her, in in the attic, which is located right next Inside to her. her yeah. yeah, like the the uh, little ladder stairway to the attic is literally just right next to her bed. Yeah. So she was hearing kind of like these... Uh, Clacking noises. You could think it's like a raccoon. Mm-hmm. Um, which the mom says. The mom says, yeah. Which I was thinking it was just like a dude who was living in there because you know that happens. It's true. That happens where just like squatters will just get on <laughs> up there. And that's the real horror story. There's a different podcast about that where we talk about the Spider-Man of Colorado. Oh, and my that God. Guy who was living in your our friend's Can we? attic in Colorado. Can We're we talk talking about, about this? It on this. Can, no, not now, but can we do an episode <laughs> where we talk about squatters in attics? I'm all for it. So the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, she's been hearing strange noises in the attic. And then Piwacket, well, a shadowy figure, sneaks into her room, mm-hmm. uh, hunkers itself up in the top corner, and then crawls down and, like, approaches the foot of her bed. Yeah. Next morning, the door that she locked last night is open there's dirt and leaves inside bitch and Uh, the other shoe has dropped (laughs) (laughs) and i actually flipped those but it's okay because it's not that important but the night that we see the shadow figure is the night that she wakes up in the woods covered in her own blood i bind you nancy from doing harm (laughs) against yourself and Uh, others this does have serious the craft vibes i bind you nancy dear god i love that movie so much me too. So she goes and tells her friends about it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, her douchey friend, we will say Ryan, is like, I can't believe you did that. That's blood magic. You, you're you just the worst. You deserve whatever's coming to you. And yeah, they have a fuck you, fuck you moment. She comes back. Janice is like, I don't know. It's kind of dope. I want to go out there and check out what's going on. Maybe try and get some of this on video or something. Mm-hmm. So now it's Janice's turn to come up for a sleepover. They have a bunch of fun. They're hanging out. Janice says, great dinner, Miss Reyes, which not true. Cannot possibly Fucking lying through her teeth. Unless Canadians have a worse palate than the Brits, that cannot have been a good good meal. Nope. This family has too much money to cook that bad. I feel like they boil chicken, too. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, boiled chicken. No. And then they use the steam from the boiled chicken to steam the vegetables. Mm, yeah, because you got to get those flavors in there. <laughs> boiled chicken? Anyway, so oh, God. Janice and Leah are hanging out, and they go outside and get stoned, and then they decide to go. Leah or Janice really, really wants to go see where the ritual happened. Mm-hmm. 
So Leah reluctantly takes her out there. They've got their phone flashlights. Amazing camera work here to only... Like, Which, I love like, when they use that lighting. Have y'all ever seen a horror film? I mean, they clearly have. They're super into the occult. Then why... I don't know, man. Foolishness, childhood bravado, them and vigor. Fair. Nothing bad can happen to them. Mm-mm. Yeah. So we're in the woods, and Janice pulls some shit. Which do you think? Do you think that it really was her fucking with her, or do you think no, that I something think it was happened? Real. I you think, think that it was really real. Happened. Yeah. I thought so too. That was that was my first instinct. That so, like. Yeah. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So Janice. Fine. Janice gets this thousand yard stare and won't respond to Leah and just turns around and goes off into the dark and Leah tries to chase her but can't find her and all of a sudden we hear knocking and then we hear a door opening mm-hmm. and then Janice comes back it's like oh I was just fucking with you but where the fuck did she get a door sound unless she pulled it up on her phone in this place that clearly doesn't have great service yeah you can't no yeah it, I it, it came across as like it was not it's a it's a well-played double yeah so they go back Janice is going to sleep on the couch for some reason. I've never had a friend sleep over and sleep on the couch. They always sleep in my bed. Yeah. And I either, if it's big enough, I share the bed. And if not, I sleep on the floor. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of weird, too. I don't know. I don't know what they do in Canada. Yeah. Never been. Nope. The next morning, they, no one can find Janice. Leah has a terrifying shot of looking. There's a terrifying shot of Leah looking in the attic for her. Mm. And her mom yells down for her, and Janice is sitting in the back seat of her mom, of Leah's mom's Volkswagen, and just cowering and shivering and sobbing, mm-hmm. and refuses to exit the car, won't even let them in the car. Yeah. And once she finally does let Leah in the car, when her mom, when Leah's mom is like, okay, I'll just get the keys and drive you home, Janice is just like, fuck you, what the fuck did you do? Yeah. And that's all we know about that. Yeah. Uh, we, we do learn one more thing. So Leah texts Janice throughout the day at school. Mm. No word back. She won't leave her room. Is yeah, what exactly. We discover. Yeah, what we find out yeah. is that she just has not left her room. And that's a wrap on Leah on Janice for the film. <laughs> yeah, we know nothing more about Janice. Leah immediately just emails his Rowan Dove, the occult the, yeah, the writer. author that she yeah. really enjoys. Mm-hmm. So they have a little FaceTime. He says, well, you did you did this like you opened up the door and you did you like he's like did you believe in it as much as you could or whatever and she said yeah he goes okay then this really happened you opened a, you created a bridge using yourself yeah from evil to good mm-hmm. or from the you know the dark side to the light side or whatever terminology you want to use so you invited Piwacket across it Piwacket is here it will do what you asked of it and it will not stop until that is done and once that's done it comes for you yeah because it rebounds mm-hmm so he advises her to immediately go do the exact same ritual to the letter that she had done before, mm-hmm. but ask for forgiveness along every step of the way. Yeah. So Leah Leah gets the bus home from the school or library, wherever she was, that she was on this phone call. Yeah. From town. She gets the bus home from town and is walking along the gravel path to her place and we start hearing footsteps behind her and she has that little Orpheus moment. Mm-hmm. Where she starts which running, is one of my don't favorites. look back. Yeah. But the, the Orpheus test is one of my favorite tropes in film. I think it's such a great avenue for storytelling and yeah. fear and, yeah, how, and what I, the role that is in us. Yeah, and I had obviously seen seen that a million times, but I didn't know that there was a name for it until you told me last night. Yeah. Um, which it makes sense, the whole um, Eurydice and Orpheus. Mm-hmm. How great was Hades Town? So great, guys. I hope, I hope it reopens, you know, as soon as it's safe and you guys can go see it because it's awesome. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Endorse. Mm-hmm. Big mood. <laughs> Big We're mood. both thumbs upping right now. Yep. We forgot it was an audio medium. <laughs> so Leah just starts sprinting. She doesn't look back, which I really also appreciate. She yeah. does not look back. She just looks forward, but she does sprint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she runs the fuck back to her toot, house. Toot toot, gotta scoot. Exactly. Grabs all her kit out of the closet for her occult practices, goes into the woods, and begins to perform the ritual. Mm-hmm. She knocks three times on the tree with the stone and then doesn't ask for forgiveness and then sees a body in the woods, which she thinks is her mother. Yeah. Simultaneously, her mother has come home and is shouting for her in the woods and Leah's hiding from her. And then uh, when she finds a dead body, she sprints off. I should have also said Devin, the author or sorry rowan I, it's rowan dove and i want to be i want mm. to be devon rove right or devon row so rowan the author had also advised her that pie is very tricky and will do anything it can do not trust anyone until mm. you are home yeah or, or sorry do not trust anyone until the ritual is complete yeah because it will try to stop you from stopping it mm-hmm. so she sprints off into the woods is freaking out sobbing crying she calls the cops yeah she calls emergency I... services you have me thinking about it, but I'm not sure it matters. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought it was a 911, but that could have just been like American, yes, like associating, like yeah. she's calling 911. Oh, it is 911 because that girl in Not Love is Blind, Too Hot to Handle, is Canadian. Oh. Francesca's a Canadian and she says something about 911. Got it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Look at us. Look at us. Using a cross textual analysis. Oh, yeah. Intertextionality. <laughs> real scholars over here so she calls the cops and is like look my mom's dead in the woods i can't find anyone uh, i don't know where i am i don't just come get me i'm so scared please come save me yeah and then immediately text adam the guy she's crushing on her f- tall friend mm-hmm. and he's like oh i can't come get you i've got it's so far to drive i gotta like it's gonna be da, da, da. and she's like no seriously come get me the fuck now yeah so she stays out there until it's dark and gets a text from adam that says hey i'm here out front yeah. She walks out of the woods and there's no car except for her mom's. I knew it was a trick. And so she starts crying and then goes into the house, sees her mom, and her mom is just severe and flat and creepy. Mm-hmm. And is questioning her and it's becoming clear that this is not her mother. Yeah. So initially it's just her mother. Leah starts running away from it. Mm-hmm. She escapes out the window. And like shatters it with her lamp and everything, gets down to the ground, and then hides. And we see this like hag, yeah, really really great physical work here, yeah. Uh, so we see this hag who is like sniffing around and looking for her, yeah. Leah makes a dash back into the house, and it kind of like transforms into a dog, yeah, and starts trying to break down her attic and everything. And then suddenly it's her mother in the attic, and she starts screaming at her. She's got her little knife, and she's like threatening to stab her mother with it. Mm-hmm. Her mom takes the knife from her and like gets her calmed down and everything. Uh, and they go to sleep. Yeah. Till Leah gets up, siphons the get t- the gas out of her mom's car. Which what what a random skill for like a sixteen like, year old to know. I know how to do it, but but you're thirty. It was funny. We you yeah. you said something like how she know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like what is this like upper middle class comfortable chick in Canada know about siphoning gas? It, it did car? seem it did seem very random, but whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Puts it all in a bucket, goes up to her mother's room, and douses her mom in the gasoline and sets her on fire. <laughs> Good so God. Then she blacks out. We find her in the front driveway. Her friend Adam has finally arrived for mm-hmm. real. Finds her passed out and like kind of with burns on her face and everything. Yeah. 
and then we're in a police station. Leah's being in, uh, questioned by a detective who plays her recording from the 911 call. Mm-hmm. It says, we didn't find your mom's body in the woods, but what we did find was her body in the house, burnt to ash with most of the rest of the house. Now, do you want to tell me again what happened? And that's it. Cut. Titles. Yeah. <laughs> Credits. Roll them. Roll them. Yeah, the last, I guess, like, the last shot we get is Leah supposedly realizing, well, it's, it's up, it's, I guess it's a little bit of an open question, but that she's realizing that Piwak had tricked her into killing her own mother. Yes. And yeah, that that's the end, folks. So yeah, this movie's pretty tight yeah. in um, most meanings of the word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, runtime-wise, it's a buck twenty-seven with the titles and credits. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I always appreciate a uh, short runtime. <laughs> Just because, like, you can, you can get it in and then, you know... Get on with your life. Exactly. Um, and also, I don't think that uh, th- this actually, this ties into one of the points I wanted, I really wanted to make, which I um, half made earlier, um, about how I think they were very smart about what they included and what they did not mm-hmm. um, in this film. And that probably is what, you know, contributed to the short runtime. And one thing that I really appreciated was that they didn't, yeah, we got like shadows and glimpses of mm-hmm. our Piwacket, but it wasn't in our face. Like we didn't no. see what happened to Janice. And I just, I really appreciated that because I think mm-hmm. sometimes when they shove a monster in your face, it can be distracting. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of think it's a really cool tool to use to keep mm-hmm. people engaged because, because if you don't, it, when the whole Janice thing is happening, you're already thinking like, okay, what's going to happen at night? You know, mm-hmm. when Janice stays over, you've already got that in your head. You know that it's not going to be good. Right. Um, and then when... What's our tagline? And then it got worse. And then it got worse. Or no, wait. And then it gets worse. Yeah. yeah. And then it gets worse. Um, so you're you're already wondering like, okay, what the fuck's going to go down? And then the fact that they don't show you, I think, is really cool because then you can infer yourself or it it gets it it starts the gears turning. Right. You're like it it makes you feel a little bit more invested in the film and maybe a little bit more of like a part of it because then you're wondering, like, okay, what could have happened that made her that upset? Well, there's a sympathetic turn to it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think it's what you get is it makes you feel like the protagonist of the film because the protagonist is also not seeing exactly what's happening to them so their mind is racing about what this thing is and what it's going to do to them therefore your mind is racing about what this thing is and what it's going to do to you exactly as and it, them. it yeah it's it's a form of um immersion and i think exactly. that's a really cool it's the same reason that sorry it's i was just gonna say it's a really cool way to to make a monster scarier (laughs) yeah yeah i mean you've got to go bold you've got to be really really on your shit to show a monster and have it feel terrifying the thing is one that i always bring up alien to a certain degree although that monster does get less scary when you see it yeah i'm sure you think about this where you see the monster and you retain the terror i think to some degree i'm gonna i get so much shit for actually caping for this movie but the village Mm -hmm. when you do see the figures even though they do turn out to be not real monsters or yeah. whatever that movie decided to have a double twist yeah when you see them going by in their costumes the red yeah. robes and the twig faces and everything it's fucking terrifying yeah and but those are there's a very rare examples where you show the monster and retain the terror yeah and i think that that uh, that's a choice that you always have to make when yeah. you're making a film like this and um i don't 
I think it's a risk to show the monster. Oh, it absolutely is, I think yeah. it's a huge risk to show it. And I thought that with the way that this particular movie was set up, I don't think they were playing it safe by not showing it. I think it, it really felt like more of like an intentional, like, I don't think people should know. I agree. They shouldn't see exactly what happens. And also, it seemed like with their budget, it also was a smart decision yeah. to not have to, to not blow money on that because you didn't need it. In this narrative, you didn't yes. need it. It's interesting. The, I also love the choice they made when it came to showing the monster mm-hmm. or pie whack it. When the, what they did instead is what I think I would do, which means it's automatically a great decision. <laughs> automatically, totally. Yeah. They hired mm-hmm. a dancer, uh, mm-hmm. like a movement specialist. That's great. So Bianca Melchior is who plays pie whack it. And then um, that's so awesome. Yeah. And then they just had <laughs> they had Bianca Melchior, who's a movement artist and dancer, along with a, a number of other things it's many 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 multi hyphenate <laughs> right but that's one but, yeah trick and so they had her do, right yeah. so they had her do all of the movement work and monster work for this that's really cool and then had laurie holden do adr for the vocals awesome which i think is really really cool it's a great combination it's, it's a great it's sort of use a, of your great, talent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a way to do it on the cheap too yeah but yeah i think i absolutely agree that it's it does give you this level of immersion that's almost like, um, I know I keep bringing up video games on the podcast, and it's not a video game podcast, but for cross-reference, you know, mm-hmm. like we said, intertextionality. Well, a lot of horror movies have been made into video games and vice versa, so exactly. I get it. But the, the whole point behind, like, a silent protagonist, right? Yeah. Like a, a Link, a Master Chief from Halo, mm-hmm. all this, like, these tropes of the silent protagonist who doesn't really talk. Yeah. One, it's cheaper. You don't really have to hire a voice actor. Two... Yeah. It, the sort of ad their post hoc version of it is that oh it lets the player feel like that character yeah you know mm-hmm. so yeah it absolutely is great for that immersive quality mm-hmm. so coming into this I knew that Piwack it sounded familiar and I couldn't think of why because it sounds like an anime yes that's exactly it <laughs> but also I forgot that there's a really great Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart movie from the fifth, uh, late fifties like nineteen fifty eight I want to say mm-hmm. called Bell Book and Candle. Oh, and you oh, and you said the cat's name is Piawak. So that cat was Kim Novak's cat. So the cat in Bell Book and Candle is Kim Novak's actual cat. And its name whose is name Piwak. is Piwacket in real life and in the film. And so then William Friedkin, who enjoyed that film, who made The Exorcist, made this movie in like 1990 called The Guardian. Mm-hmm. And the nanny of the little boy in the film, it's not a great movie. It's okay. But she puts out the. She gives the child a few little stuffed animals, and their names. It is a cute name. Yeah, but their names are Holt, Jamara, and Piwacket. Those names also have significance. So this is where I was reading an interview with Adam McDonald, the okay. director. Okay. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, that was actually that movie was one that I watched all the time, and I had been rewatching it for some reason. I don't remember why, but I heard the nanny say that, and I just liked the name. But I was like, I, that sounds like something I've heard before. So he goes and researches it, and what he finds is this: so Piwacket was a supposed familiar spirit of an alleged witch, accused by Witchfinder General Matthew Hopkins, one of the big bastards in history when it comes to this, right? Mm-hmm. So this is in 1644 during the witch hunts in England. Right? Yeah." Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in Essex. So Hopkins said that he would spy on witches as they held their meetings uh, close, because since they held their meetings close to his house, and he heard them mention the name of a local woman. They arrested that woman, held her without sleep for four nights. Nope. And no for me, dog. By the end of that, <laughs> she confessed, uh, and she was calling out the names of her familiars and described what forms they appeared in. So we had 
Holt, which was one of the stuffed animals from that from the Guardian, mm-hmm. uh, who came in like a white kitling, which I assume just means little white cat, right? Right. Jamara, who came in like a fat spaniel without any legs at all. Mm-hmm. Vinegar Tom, which is my favorite of these names, uh, who was a long-legged greyhound with a head like an ox. Sack and Sugar, who were black rabbits. News, who was a polecat, which I learned today is like a type of like ferret or marten. Yeah. I always thought it was a skunk when I was reading Redwall as a kid. It looks but similar. It out, yeah. yeah. And then Piwacket, uh, among with with some others, which sound, so the rest of these demons' names or these imps' names, mm-hmm. I'm going to read them to you and you tell me what musical you think they're from. Okay. Elamanzer, Piwacket, Peck in the Crown, Grizzle, Greedy Gut. Because Jellicles can and Jellicles do. <laughs> Jellicles, dogs are Jellicle cats. I'm just going to mark it now that we're copywriting our idea for cats, but with imps. Oh, my God. Here for it. So, yeah, that's where Piwacket came from. That's, I mean, it's a cute name. Like, yeah. I <laughs> I kind of want to steal it and name a cat Piwacket. Right. <laughs> it's a cute name for a cat, but I just thought that was really that's funny. Also that, why, like, that's also why I thought it, like, it would be a good name for an anime that's similar to Totoro. Because it's a cute name. Yeah, I guess, yeah. That, that does make sense. I'm seeing you more now. Yeah. I was just thinking it sounded like... The musical cats. Me and Miyazaki, we are the same, clearly. <laughs> we are one brain. Oh my god. If only. Uh. If I could switch brains with someone, I'm not really sure. It would be between uh, David Lynch and Miyazaki for sure. It's a good toss up. I mean, you win no matter what. Yeah. I go Carpenter, St. Vincent, or David Byrne. St. Vincent is good too. I like where her brain goes. Yeah, I feel like I need a, I need a woman in there. Can I combine like three? Yeah. That'd be good. I need I need I some three. feminine energy. <laughs> yeah. Choose your fighter. So there was this great interview that I found in Dread Central where the, that part of that came from. Right. A few other really cool things from there. One, Lori Holden apparently just thinks through her characters in a really cool way. I love the way that she thinks about how she plays characters. Tell me more. Yeah. So <laughs> Dread Central had asked her, you know, like, this is so cool because this is like you're betraying a loved one that you are sworn to protect like a mother to child relation right absolutely yeah a parent to child Mm -hmm. relation is that your whole job is to protect them and you're suddenly attacking them absolutely yeah um what is that like for you and Lori holden said well i think this film i think why this film resonates with so many people on such an emotional and visceral level Mm -hmm. one of my favorite words is that people can relate to the pain and struggle of these characters they identify with the relationship and i think that pie whack it and then she references her stuff on walking dead as well um i think they feel real because on so many levels they are true authentic emotional experiences that people understand and have lived through themselves so she really understands like that sort of sympathetic nature that you need to have Mm -hmm. for acting like to portray that inner like the human condition is that the word i'm looking for Yeah. yeah like what people go through and yeah and all of that and and that's that's absolutely true because she's like this mother has gone through something traumatizing losing a partner and 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 the her daughter has gone through something traumatizing as well losing a father losing a parent exactly um and i think i think feel uh, there's so many emotions I, i have never gone through this um Thank goodness, but I think there are just so many tangled emotions that go along with that because I'm sure she feels a great deal of guilt for yeah. not being able to protect or or care for her daughter in the way that she knows she should and maybe had once done in the past when everything yeah. was cool. 
And so there's a great deal of guilt, but it's kind of like that endless cycle of depression where you know what you should be doing or you know what will make things, you know, at least a little bit better, at least a little Mm -hmm. bit better for your child, but you can't because your cup is not full. So, and you don't know how to fill it. And she's not seeking, this character's not seeking therapy for what we know. Not yet, anyway. She's just relying on a bottle of wine a night and maybe pills to get to sleep and is weeping in her bed. Yeah. So it is a very unfortunate, tangled set of emotions there. Yeah. It's funny, too, because we, in this interview, this was an interview with Adam McDonald, Nicole Munoz, and Laurie Holden. So they had asked, you know, Laurie, what do you, or like, everybody's kind of like, what was the scariest part of making this film? Like, Mm -hmm. what really scared you about making a horror movie? And Laurie's like, it's not the horror that scares me it's the character that i had to play that she said the scariest part for me was how harsh i had to be towards my daughter um those things were really cha- particularly challenging for me because a i love nicole and i didn't want to raise my voice to her that's how i feel too <laughs> and then and then b it's not so it's so not an emotion that i'm necessarily comfortable with it's uh, very foreign for me this like sort of anger and like just like being nasty yeah this bitterness that comes with grief Mm -hmm. uh, the sharpness that you can take towards those you love we saw it in Babadook as well which we haven't covered yet but we will yeah at least at the time of this recording we haven't covered it yet yeah I don't know when this is going to come out but what we saw was this mother turning to her toward on her child there as well Mm -hmm. and I think that yeah uh so it was really cool to see her talk so highly of Adam McDonald Mm -hmm. because she said he really encouraged me to go for the jugular just finish this out like really really bring in that strength Mm. And really that weakness that is that character and own yeah. that. Yeah. And I thought that was really great. It's also, again, I've, I've mentioned this before. It's nice to see someone who is good at acting drunk. True. Yeah. Everyone ever does it. And I yeah. really appreciate it. I, it's a mark of a good actor. Yeah. Because it, it certainly is a hard thing to do because you, it kind of doesn't even matter how many drunk people you watch it's more of like how you can interpret that and i think it's often interpreted in an overdone yeah i Um, think everybody goes way too hard in the paint for that well and it's it's a very hard thing to do to slur to slur your words on purpose right you can go too far very quickly but she's she's wonderful in this i i also wanted to bring up like the obvious questions that people ask once they see this um movie Number one being, is this all in Nicole's head? Yeah. So you and I were talking about this when we watched this. Yeah. And I think what I what what I feel about it is that there's a sort of unspoken rule set that I wish was a little more spoken so that we could break it in cool ways. Yeah. But the rules, the rule for me, at mm-hmm. least as a filmmaker, I should say, is yeah. that if the audience, if the character can't see the creature or the happenings, but the audience can then it must be real. Yeah. Because there's no fixed observer. We were talking about a good friend of mine, Josh, who I grew up with and is one of my favorite media people to talk to. He and I had this discussion about a particular Doctor Who creature Mm -hmm. that keeps showing up. Yeah. So for a long time in its run, there were these characters called weeping angels. Yeah. Who cannot move if they're being observed Mm -hmm. for sci-fi reasons. Mm -hmm. Up until a certain episode that is very, very bad, the camera and there, thereby the audience acted as an observer, so they never moved on camera. Got it. So that's how I like to think of what this, of how this works, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not looking at it and it moves, if you the character or the character's not looking at it, and it moves, and you the audience see it move, it must be real. Right, because because of just perception exactly. and um, just literal eyesight. Right. Um. <laughs> now, if the, so the obverse of that is also 
also works. So if the character is watching it and it moves, then it might not be. Yes. It at least might not be. I'm not going to say it's 100% in their head, but the que- it definitely raises They're creating that quotient, something right? potentially. Yes. Exactly. That that makes complete sense and I and I I love that rule and I I I want to I want to like I want to staple it onto our like mental bulletin board yes. and keep it for um the rest of our discussions about different movies that are maybe similar to this one. Dope. Because I, I think that that is a, one of the more interesting aspects of horror is by the end of most films, especially if there is a tangible witch or monster or what, like sure, spirit, yeah. whatever, um, the question always or almost always is who made this up or is it made up? Is right. it, you know, did we actually cross the line over into some dark territory that we shouldn't have? Have we bridged something, you know? And I also think that a good, obviously a good argument for it not all being in her head is the way that Janice reacts. Because mm-hmm. it's not like Nicole is like, I mean, I guess I think if Leah had been the one who like went downstairs and fucked with Janice, yeah. then that that could be an option for mm-hmm. an argument against it. But again, I don't think this movie is a possession film. So to it, yeah, it sort of crosses the borderline a bit. Yeah, so that that was the only argument I could think of, like against it. Yeah. Um, because the author the author argument isn't isn't great just because like he, she's relaying all of these things to him, mm-hmm. so it could still be made up in her head if she's just writing him an email, um, or speaking with him. But I don't know. I th- I think this that we are supposed to believe that it's real. And I then it's too. not made up in her mind. Yeah. It's also great. It was it was nice to see a demon that adapts to the twenty first century. Totally. The texting. Yeah. yeah. I and and remember I said in our Tucker and Dale versus Evil movie that like that a lot of horror writers are going to have to adapt mm-hmm. to how great technology is these days. And it can be used in, in, in this instance, it was used yeah. in a very like positive way. It wasn't like, it didn't seem like it was a hindrance. Like they said, this is another way that we can like manipulate the story. Oh, absolutely. So that was, was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought it was great that I was, I kept saying throughout the movie last night that this, this could be set anywhere between 2000 or 1978 and 2018. Yeah. Between the fashion, the like there, except for a few things. I mean, obviously the laptop and the cell phones and the making models of the cars. Right. But it felt like a film out of time in a way and definitely gave me a lot of it follows vibes which is always a good definitely. thing to do a very very good thing definitely. to do definitely and I, I love Urban's that movie are very pro it follows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's see what what else did I want to talk about well did I had you, a, yeah, yeah, had a few more things have? in this interview yeah. it was just a really rich interview yeah I um, love it go for it shoot so the interviewer asked Adam McDonald the director and writer he asked him to uh, talk a little bit about the research that went into the ritual and the spell that Leah casts Mm-hmm. So I just love his answers to all of these questions. He's very like, you can tell he's kind of like a dick, but like funny, like a playful. He's very playful. It's it, at least he comes across that way in interviews. Great. So his an- first answer was, uh, I'm glad you asked that. You're one of the very few who, who has. And I appreciate that. What was the question again? Sorry. Sorry. Adam, can you talk a little bit about the research that went into the ritual and the spell that Leah casts? And what did he say? I'm glad you asked that. You're one of the very few that has, and I appreciate that. I watched so many documentaries. I read The Left Hand Path by Aleister Crowley, The Book of Shadows, some dark shit, man, and it kind of scared me. He even said he went to like some authentic magic stores, and they are not playful, like the like true like occult stores. We've you've seen a few of those in the craft, yeah. 
There's there's ones in real life. I've been to a couple. Of I've real never life. I've they, never been to one do, of them. Yeah, um, there was this bookshop that used to be in Nashville that wasn't too far from the apartment I grew up in, and it was like somewhere between like an occult store and you know that bit on Portlandia where uh, Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein play the old ladies who run the feminist bookshop. Yes, it was <laughs> it was halfway between those two things. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Like a, there was like a big thing in like the eighties and nineties that you had all these like sort of women-run occult Wiccan stores. Got it. And there were just, like, a bunch around, yeah. um, like, various places that I lived. Mm-hmm. And it was always very funny. And so I've gone a few later in life, too. And, like, um, there used to be one down in the East Village in New York. Interesting. Probably long gone by now. But Yeah, true. Anyway, so he said he went to this, like, one of these sorts of shops, right? Yeah. And he'd had this book, and he was kind of, like, going through rituals, and he didn't want to use a real one, right? He was like, I'm just going to keep... It's like I don't think he like I, I like to believe he doesn't you know believe in it believe in it mm-hmm. but isn't willing to take the risk. Got it. And I really appreciated that from him. I was like, no, nah, I kind of feel that because I was, no, I think a lot of people uh, can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, but he also wanted it to feel and look real and be recognizable to anyone who has you know messed around with the cold stuff. Yeah. Um, I remember we, we were working on a this movie I worked on in college. We had the same sort of vibe where we were doing a blood ritual in this. Uh, horror noir adaptation of Medea that we did. Everyone's a little bit curious, right? Like, yeah. that's why Ouija boards were such a thing and sometimes, like, still are. Thanks, like, Hasbro. They st- yeah, they still sell them. I mean, everyone wants to dip their toes into something dark. Yeah. Like, I, I think that that's a very common desire. So, eventually he decided to combine two different rituals. Okay. That are both real. But he wanted to combine them into one so that they weren't. So it's like a, a hodgepodge sort of thing. It's a good idea. So he did that. Maybe. They did the know. shoot. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't studied it's, any it feels, of this. It feels a little more secure, but he did it and he combined them all. And then he went to this other store in Toronto and showed it to the guy who worked there. And the guy just said, he like, he said the dude's face just fell and he looked at him. He said, you did this. Do you know what you're doing? And he was like, yeah, the guy didn't know. The guy knew the rituals um, and said like, you know, this isn't a real one, but all the elements that she does in the movie are accurate. Right. So I just love that, that he, like, freaked out this dude who is super into the occult. Yeah. Just by kind of putting together elements of other ones and being like, I'm doing this on purpose to kind of fuck with it. It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's... That's a really great interview, guys. We're gonna we're gonna link. We always link everything, um, all of yeah. our sources and everything in our footnotes. Yeah, yeah. Footnotes um, are always gonna be in the episode descriptions. Yes, always. And we encourage you to read this full interview because yeah it's pretty meaty it's good i did want to mention how realistic the teenagers are for sure because there there's definitely a stereotype of of goths oh um, yeah where always bad and it's always it well it's always to the nth degree right Mm -hmm. it's like they're wearing like fucking capes and they always look like members of the cure yeah they're like they're wearing like white makeup and you know they're they've got like you know, very specific hair and eyeliner and mm-hmm. black lipstick and and decked out in hot topic. What was her name on Danny Phantom? Sam from yeah. Danny Phantom. Yeah, looks like that. But I think this I think this movie did a really good job of actually making it you know realistic. I mean, obviously there is a scale of for any for any sort of way that you want to define yourself. Oh, there is sure. a scale of of how far you go and um, whatnot. But I thought I thought that they did a really great job of kind of keeping it very realistic like these are kids who are juniors in high school and yeah. you can tell what they're about by what they wear but it's not clownish no because a lot of a lot of films I, i've never seen never in my life seen um a uh self 
defined goth look like a lot of these characters yeah. in like in like movies where they're just making they're almost making fun of it yeah and i think in this movie it's they're very relatable Absolutely. because i think in a lot of films they make um the goths very untouchable but right. in this because they're making fun of them they don't want yeah. you to they don't want you to feel anything towards them so it's um it, it's very un unrelatable but uh in this film i felt like yeah I would probably chill with them if they would let me. <laughs> they literally look like the metalhead kids I hung out with in high school and yeah. after. Every single one of them is like a little bit of a stereotype of like who you're going to find because you have the tall, skinny white dude who's like dipping his toe in. He's got some patches on they his cool They look like leather, they're very into cool like taking back jacket. Sunday. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, or like, I mean, not even that, but like I would say they go in, they listen to real metal. Like they go in. No, and she, like, there's a scene where she does. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's yeah, exactly. like literally yeah. listening to But I could see them listening to Ghost or, you know, yeah. Cannibal Corpse or something like that. Like I definitely see them being real teenagers cuz especially Leah, our main character, she wears Or Blood blue Incantation jeans. from Denver, yeah. Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. We love I probably them. listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it definitely felt accurate for like most of my metalhead friends and myself being like a metalhead for a long time. Like this is what I dressed like. I wore baseball tees, ripped jeans and black boots. Totally. I I had like a member card to Hot Topic. So you were Janice in this film? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I wanted I wanted different colored hair so badly. I got like temporary dye and I got in trouble for it at school. Ooh. Right? Like a bunch of fucking nerds. Nicole Nicole, who please return to the principal's office. No, she's in trouble again, guys. Sorry. Gotta go. <laughs> Fuck this shit. <laughs> uh, I did appreciate it. I'm 29 yeah. years old. I can do what I want. So, yeah. I know. I really appreciated this, the realism in this film. The last thought I had was just about the cinematography. Per usual, Topher loves to talk about camera shit. Mm-hmm. Should get a sting there. little theme song. Do-do-do-do-do. Camera stuff with Tove. <laughs> That's a very good song. So the cinematographer, I was reading up on him. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not have any sort of like real bio out there anywhere. He's okay. uh, ever. I was, that's one thing I meant to mention is that basically everybody who worked on this is kind of new, and un- or at least unknown. Yeah, and I, I felt like the cinematography was, uh, kind of like he was able to. Our cinematographer was able to play. It yes. felt very playful to it me. Did. It did. I it think felt like right they tried a lot of different shots and picked the mm. best one. Like it wasn't like cookie cutter. Yeah. Um, and that's coming from someone who doesn't know too, too much about cinematography. You know way more than I do. But um, you listen to me talk about it all the time. Yeah. But no, I just, just from the kind of, I guess you could, I guess I'm a naked eye. Like you, yeah. I, I could, I could kind of tell that it seemed very playful. They tried different things. They experimented and they just picked what worked. Yeah. Which is really cool. No, it was really great. But he, so he, I was reading a uh, sort of blurb from him that's on his website. And he was saying like, I love to, I, I got interested in cinematography because I got interested in the play of natural light. So it turns out that a lot of this was not set lit. So he's perfect for the genre of horror. We yeah. love just like natural light and candles. Yeah. I mean, they use <laughs> set light on the inside for all their interior Which shots. Seems but necessary. they use natural light for everything else. So that's those awesome. night shots are night shots and that's why they had them with their phones out and everything like that, which is really really well done. It that when you say Blair Witch, that's what it reminds me of. And it should. And like I think that was intentional. Yeah. That's cool. Other, mm-hmm. And one of the other cool things is that it's a lot of shaky cam mm-hmm. without being handheld. Yes. So it doesn't come across like Blair Witch or Cloverfield or like VHS or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is a professional camera, yeah. a big heavy rig, but it's being uh, handheld. Yes. Or it's, it's being, it's being you know, self-manipulated, not steadied. Yeah. And not on um, any sort of like runner or track or anything like that. And so I really appreciated that it was 
a it gave this a good low budget vibe not a bad low budget vibe yes i agree so i really appreciated the choices that were made here in the photography of the film i thought it was really well done the lighting was cool the shots were great there's that one shot from over top of her where she's like leah's kind of like facing up towards the sky and like Mm -hmm. kind of has that scream moment and you just feel the camera shake yeah it was so cool yeah that so yeah i just really appreciated a lot of the camera work i think i liked that a lot of the effects were done in camera yeah and then touched up afterwards yeah so good on every part of this film i didn't really have a lot of complaints afterwards yeah no it was it was a what did mark call it a fun um indie scary romp or something yeah it was a fun low budget indie romp yeah i would agree with that um and kind of my my last thoughts is that um i kind of felt like this was a bit of a cautionary tale in a sense because the worst possible thing happens right she kills her mother um and kind of going back to what I was saying before about kind of her power being stripped away or what, you know, what power you can even grasp yeah. when you're a junior in high school. There's not much of it, but um, I think that this is really just worst case scenario of what can happen when you are a vulnerable adolescent who has gone through a traumatic experience 100%. and your your mother isn't currently capable of being able to care for you Mm -hmm. because they're going through their own shit obviously and you're also more susceptible to like who hasn't just been like fuck this i'm like running away or like doing something like this is kind of like an nth degree version of that right Mm -hmm. and it's just like what she's kind of into and it just steers in a it skids in a bad direction yeah there's the one thing i would shift about this movie is that i think for as wonderfully slow as a lot of this movie is it is it's a slow burn it's a it's a slow burn i was kind of wondering like how much longer does this movie have and is there anything gonna happen yeah but for all of that the switch from mom being an abusive drunk to being hunky dory to the way that Leah to the degree that Leah immediately regrets her decision the next day mm-hmm. felt a little quick I understand it like I can totally justify it and say like that's how teenagers brains work is that they hate you and want you to die one day and they're like I love you let's go get lunch the next true narratively it felt a little quick like that turn that's that's was completely the only, fair I could have yeah. used another five minutes there then they had the fair. they had the room for it, so it's one of those things of like, okay, I love they when someone's have, at, yeah. it's a hacks everything up with editing. And it's not that it didn't make it; it didn't make no sense there, right? It was still a sensible turn. It, I understand it, I can justify it, like I said, but it's just one of those small pieces where you're like, mm. they could have had like a conversation, yeah, or a little, even like a slow montage, or like, or like the the mom maybe saying sorry and that she wants to get help. Yeah, I would want to see growth from because that also Lori would make Holmes her kid. death yeah. feel a little bit sadder that she was going to turn it around, you know, right? Like she was planning on finding a specialist or, yeah. you know, putting down the bottle. Uh-huh. Um, that would that would have made her death a little more. Yeah, I think that's the un- heartbreaking for all the realism in this film. That's the unrealistic part is yeah. that her mom switches from I'm a bad parent to I'm a good parent in the space yeah. of like. 12 hours yes but yeah that's i mean that's very it's a very minor offense um overall overall i liked i liked this movie just fine i would i would certainly 
I would certainly watch it again. Um, I've already sent my recommendations out to people on it. Yeah, and it's again, it's it's available on Hulu, so is, yeah. um, no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we highly rec- recommend you uh, watch this. I think that's that's it, right? That's all I got. Cool. All right. Till next time. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod, and our website is horrorbabespodcast.com. Boom. I'm Nicole Lee Hood. Tover. And we're saying bye from the Horror Babes. Bye, babes. Bye, babes. <laughs>